All right, so um, it is what it is. And um, we've seen the impact of COVID-19 and what countries have had to do in the battle against it to slow it down. It's one hell of a, a battle and a war where you don't really have the ammo, but you have to try and duck and uh, perhaps uh, move and sidestep and go down and whatever, just to try and avoid the impact of it uh, to the best of your ability. We've tried to slow it down, but we've seen what the numbers are doing. And as we start to free things up in terms of movement at a social level and obviously economically, we are going to see more cases. This is just but the gist of what uh, last night's address was all about. As President Cyril Ramaphosa spoke to you and I at 7 p.m. spot on on the dot. It's interesting. Somebody said, well, if the president is on time, it means good news are on the way. So let's get some perspective here from Kaya Sitole. He joins us on the line, political and financial uh, commentator. Kaya, good morning. Good morning and good morning to the listeners. I mean, the president said a lot and we'll try and get through some of it now. But what stood out for me is it is all in your hands now. Thoughts, please, on that. What does that mean? I think the reality is that the government's intervention or the government's ability to lock us down was always going to have a limited lifespan. But during that lockdown, obviously, it has created the awareness in absolutely everyone that there is something out there. It is spreading. And, of course, you need to be able to exercise the precautions that we've learned or have been forced to master over the past couple of weeks. And I think at this stage, the government is now hoping that some of the people that have learned and understood what really is going on out there is sufficient for people to be allowed or at least to be trusted to understand and observe health protocols on their own. So I think that's really what it means when it says it's now it's in our hands as a nation. Mm. I mean, we've seen lots of opposition from various industries and also political parties, um, civil organizations, etc. Just on some of the regulations we've had, things are being relaxed now. Things will change. They will feel a bit normal when we start going back to work, school. But there are still those regulations that play. Interestingly, some industries are still sort of limited uh, in what they can do you look at tourism for example um, not much movement there for obvious reasons how do the government and its officials navigate through this time when they are getting all this um, you know challenge from people saying no but this is unlawful or this isn't right how do we navigate that well, I think that is indeed the challenge of being in government or being in a leadership position in that particularly when you undertake a decision that is so disruptive in nature, you have to anticipate that there's going to be a lot of people who somehow feel agitated or aggrieved by the decisions that you've taken, but also quite importantly, when you then start making particular distinctions between categories of persons or categories of businesses, then of course that will escalate the type of pushback that you're going to get. So that was always expected, and I think the government's challenge is to simply justify its decision, so they need to be able to explain to anyone who asks the question, this is why we've done it this way, this is why we've continued this ban, or this is why we've implemented this regulation. And unfortunately, in the past, some of the regulations have been very difficult to explain or to justify to anyone. So it's now going to be, obviously, a learning lesson for the government going forward. So the president has addressed the nation. We are all now looking to the ministers to give us a bit more detail. What's been your impression so far on this uh, process and uh, I suppose the uh, relationship between what the president says in his address and what the ministers ultimately follow through with? 
I think it's been quite important for us to understand that it is quite impractical for the president to cover every single sector and be able to articulate every single regulation or guideline relating to that sector. So it's always important for the ministers themselves to be the ones that come up with those regulations, but also because it then gives us an opportunity to interrogate it in detail. So you are more able to interrogate the Minister of Higher Education on issues relating to higher education than you would otherwise be able to do so when the president himself is talking. So I think it's been a good approach to it, but of course the strength of it depends on the ability of these foot soldiers to be able not only to craft regulations that make sense, but to be able to explain them. And we did see multiple incidences of regulations being created that made absolutely no sense to anyone, and the ministers affected being uh, being unable to explain or justify some of those regulations. Obviously, going forward, there's going to be less incidences of that as less regulations are necessary and less Mm. interventions are made by the state. Mm. And also very key to the state's game plan on dealing with COVID-19 is listening to the experts. And we've seen in the beginning how there was the the view and the impression that they were all working together. And then at some point, things started to change when, you know, certain, um, you know, professors and scientists and epidemiologists started to almost say something completely different to what the government is preaching. Um, This relationship is still crucial going forward, isn't it? Yeah. And remember, the main distinction here is that the NC and government in particular operates to something called consensus. So even within the cabinet structure, there's always going to be multiple voices. There's always going to be dissenting voices in relation to an issue. But the NC has historically taken the view that it doesn't matter that there were, uh, there were internal differences or internal differences of opinion. Once you've adopted a line of march, then that's the only thing that you communicate. So it's how the NC architecture has always worked. But I think what you're dealing with here is that the NC is now being forced to interact with different type of stakeholder groups where, of course, this concept of consensus doesn't exist and shouldn't exist, quite frankly. And I think for us being able to understand that there's different alternative ways in which these matters are being interrogated means at least there is some thinking behind the process. And I think if the alternative was to say everybody just simply says do this without them being able to explain what the thinking was and what the different mm-hmm. views were, then would actually be worse for it. So I think we should welcome the difference of opinion, but obviously the decisions must be taken on the basis of what really are the best outcomes for the nation rather than for particular constituencies.